Hello, everyone, and welcome back to Moving Right Along, a Muppet movie podcast brought to you by ToughPigs.com. It's the podcast where we watch The Muppet Christmas Carol two minutes at a time and talk about it a lot. I'm your host, Anthony Strand. And I'm your other host, Ryan Rowe. And joining us today, we have one of our favorite guests. She's been here every season. Guest, who are you? Hi, uh, I'm this week's particular visitor. Uh, (laughs) (laughs) uh, I shouldn't laugh at my own joke. Um, I'm this week's particular visitor, uh, Becca Petunia of ToughPigs.com. So now, so now I'm wondering how that website, that translation website, would translate Hubba back oh, into English. Wow, I, you know it. Particular it probably has presenter come up. of. Yeah, I can do yeah. some checking in the background. And, and a reminder to listeners that is how uh, the the text of these episodes has been translated by these mysterious, uh, like retranslating and posting bots that have been taking all of our website posts and reposting them on these weird websites. Yeah, when we're recording, that episode came out uh, yesterday. Um, right. But, uh, <laughs> the one with Matt Wilkie. Yeah. yeah. Where we talked about that. Yeah, so special guest comes out as particular visitor. Yes. And we, <clears throat> we are always happy to have particular visitor Becca Petunia back with us. Indeed. And today, Becca is joining us to discuss minutes 55 and 56 of Muppet Christmas Carol. In these minutes, Scrooge witnesses his nephew Fred's Christmas party and then goes somewhere else. I am going to do something really obnoxious right here and try to... Can I interject something that I forgot last week? Sure. Um, one item, one detail about the song, It Feels Like Christmas, that I forgot to mention. In the DVD commentary, Brian Henson says that the original concept for that song was not to have everybody just dancing around uh, the square in London. It was for the ghost and Scrooge to fly all around the world. So the ghost could show Scrooge how Christmas is being celebrated in other places. But then they realized they could not afford that. It would cost way too much money. So they just moved it to the set that they already had. Well, and since you brought it up, in the book, the Ghost of Christmas Present takes Scrooge to about three other locations besides the ones we see in this movie. In the context of here's how people celebrate Christmas in other places? Yes, but the the other places are all England. Yeah, oh, that's okay. like yeah, sure. Yeah, yeah. It's like here here are some miners. Here are some people in the poorhouse. You know, right? It's, right. That honestly, like, I get that. That feels very like Muppets, especially like late eighties, nineties Muppets, because you know Jim Henson became very interested in like. I mean, he always was like exploring other cultures. Oh, yeah, very but, globally conscious. Yeah. But to me, that's not really what the book is about. Like, it's very much about how this stuff relates to Scrooge. And, you know, and like, knowing how people celebrate Christmas that like... In in, in Brazil. Yeah, or or like Kentucky Kentucky Fried... Yeah, Kentucky Fried Chicken is a a big Christmas dish in Japan, apparently. (laughs) But like, that's not super relevant to, to Scrooge's exploits well when you put it that way it would have been fun to see scrooge and the ghost eating kentucky fried chicken in japan but anyway mm-hmm. yeah in in 1843 yes mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. of course do we think that colonel sanders is one of the ghost of christmas presents many brothers they kind of look the same uh, they... yeah i'm gonna i'm gonna go with yeah. yes yeah yeah no that makes sense that that, that <laughs> checks out sure uh so what actually happened so what one thing i was gonna say first of all is we're going to Nephew Fred's Christmas party, and I don't know about either of you, but I was kind of surprised that the whole scene is in this clip. 
Like, yeah, this is like a hundred seconds and it feels like so much more. Yeah. It kind of shows you how, how good this script is that they can, they can fit this entire scene so efficiently into two minutes. Yeah. It, it really is. It really is just like in, in and out covering, you know, it's an important, it's an important scene for, for Scrooge's narrative, but we really see like this whole, this whole kind of mini arc that Scrooge goes through in the span of this two minute clip with also some pretty, or at least moderately decent jokes mixed in. So, you know, that's, that's, that's good. Yeah. Uh, So let's, let's get into it. As Scrooge and the ghost of Christmas present materialize, the first people we see are nephew Fred, who we've already met and his wife, Clara. But uh, it's been a while since we saw them in the movie. So Scrooge helpfully, exposits their names out loud can i just can i just may may i interject something uh as is as is of course sam the eagle's catchphrase in muppets party cruise um (laughs) may i interject something it's his classic catchphrase he says it all the time uh just in that game um but if i may interject something before we even see fred and clara as the first two people we see uh, we do see some paintings of birds over the oh, mantelpiece. Yes. Yeah, nice paintings. Yeah, I did want to comment that one of them, the one on the right, seems to be a red-winged blackbird, uh, which, of course, does not live in, in Europe. <laughs> so Charles Dickens must have gotten that on his trip uh, to New Jersey that you guys talked about. Um, <laughs> because uh, because they do live there, but they, they, don't, sure. they don't live in Europe. Um, and yeah, I had to add this because the only thing that I pay more attention to or similar attention to than Muppets is birds. So uh, it worked out nicely. Um, But yeah, Fred and Clara are in this scene. Yeah, they are. Yes. Um, But we haven't seen Clara before, right? Just, this is her introduction. This is her, this is her introduction. This, uh, so Fred is Stephen McIntosh. As we discussed, Clara is played by Robin Weaver. The actress's name is Robin Weaver. And she continues to work all the time, mostly in British television. She's. This is a pretty early credit for her, but since then, she was the mother of one of the main characters in the teen sitcom The Inbetweeners that ran for several years. Yeah, that's a, a lot of her credits on IMDb are from The Inbetweeners. Right. Her 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 IMDb known for is this movie, Inbetweeners, the sitcom, and the two Inbetweeners movies. Yeah, you're right, but, exactly. But she's also been on The Thick of It, Black Mirror, Call the Midwife, Midsummer Murders. Uh, I mean, yeah, she just, I, she's a, she's a very frequent guest star on British. I, I guess I didn't recognize her on Black Mirror, but I have seen that episode, which is a Christmas episode called sure, White Christmas. It was twenty. It's the. And it was twenty five years after this, right? Too, yeah, so. it's the one with John Hamm, and apparently she plays a police officer in one of the little vignettes in that episode. Mm. Um. So yeah, I mean, I'm not too. I'm, I'm sure I've seen that called The Midwife. Roz watches that show all the time, but I think she's a delight in this. I think she she's, is. Like she's she is very little screen time, yeah. and she makes such a big impression. Like, right? I think that Fred and Clara seem like they are having so much they fun. They seem together. like such a happy couple. They really like. That's the thing. Like Scrooge asks Fred, "I don't know why you got married," but then we see them together, and it's so obvious why Fred got married. <laughs> yeah, they're so cute together. Because yeah, that's the thing. Um, but so the first thing that we well, and then after before we really get into the scene. Rizzo says that he wants some fruit because Rizzo loves to eat. Now, at first I I was trying to remember if he actually tries to eat the fruit because I was thinking maybe he wanted to sell it. Like he was selling the apples at the beginning. (laughs) 
Well, oh, but, sure. but but Ryan, even when he's selling the apples at the beginning, he's eating the apples. He's creating <laughs> scarcity. True. Yes, no. So, <laughs> right, right. Those two things. All he are, does with this, those two things are one and the same. It always goes back to him eating everything. I do want to say, you know, to jump ahead a little bit, but he does eat the fruit like in thirty seconds yes. uh, in the scene. Yes, right. And the fruit is is wax fruit, and he doesn't realize until Gonzo tells him this is a little <laughs> weird to me something i never really thought about until i was watching this two minutes at a time and taking pages and pages of notes about it because like that's not something we usually associate rizzo with you know with the muppet monsters it's always like oh they're just eating anything and they don't mm. even realize that it's not really food you know like Cookie Monster is eating Rosebud the sled, and Harry Monster wants to share a bicycle with him. But, like, Rizzo eats food. He loves to eat, but yeah. he loves to eat food. I can't think of another time that we see Rizzo eat something that isn't food. He's just like, so desperate to eat in this movie that he'll well, eat anything that resembles food, I guess. Rizzo only does three things in this movie, which is eat fall and panic <laughs> and you know what it's pretty funny oh like, yeah it's all great it's I all like it's all him. funny exactly i like Me too. him in this movie but no that but... is a good point that that he doesn't even notice it's wax until gonzo points it out to him well i mean he does he says that he wondered about the texture yeah but he just kept so, on eating it so he wasn't gonna stop eating right. it because it was made of wax. <laughs> but not but not about the taste wax right right taste like fruit like yeah right right yeah it's he like knows, it's when you get wax lips on noggin. Halloween and you're like, am I supposed to eat these? Like, nobody yeah. really knows. Right. But then, those little, those, you guys remember those little pop bottles? Oh, yes. Has, yes. They like actually had pop in them, but they mm. were made out of wax and you're supposed to bite the top off. Yeah. I thought those were so you're weird. You're supposed to chew the, the little, the top. Yeah, you, and, it was like it. you bit the cork off. Yeah, yeah. There's yeah. No, there's no, yeah, they were all made of wax. You're not supposed to... I don't. Yes, you didn't swallow them though, Ryan. You didn't eat. Right? Them. No, that's what I was. I, yeah. I wouldn't. Oh, okay. But I wanted I mean, to Riz, make sure. Okay. Rizzo, Rizzo would. would. Yeah, Rizzo would. Yeah. But exactly. again, it just that feels so much like a joke that like would have. Again, I don't question it when I watch the movie as a whole. I'm only questioning it because I'm watching it two minutes at a time. But like, if it was Gonzo and Cookie Monster tell the story of <laughs> of. A Christmas Carol. No one would think anything no, of it. No. You know, Cookie Monster's gonna eat everything. If it was Gonzo and the Lunch Encounter Monster, <laughs> you know, the the new dynamic <laughs> duo in the post gym era, then we wouldn't question it. That would be funny. Yeah. No. No, you're right. Um, but getting back to the scene, uh, Fred announces to the group, "We've had the plum pudding and sung carols. What now, my lovelies?" And here's what I love about Fred as a party host. He recaps what has occurred so far in the evening <laughs> to make sure that everyone remembers. <laughs> yeah. To make sure that I everyone mean, is up to speed. That's just a convention of storytelling, right? Well, no, of like, course. Um, well, it's you, it's useful when you're dealing with small children. You know, they it, it helps yeah. to remind about the steps where you've been to help them understand, you know, progression. There are no small children yeah. in this scene, but, you know, maybe he's... No. But- I do think it would be, be funny teacher. at my next birthday party to say, well, everyone, we've eaten pizza and had some cake. Now, should we play a game? Well, do we do we want to talk about plum pudding or do we just you assume know, that I, our audience knows what plum pudding is? I didn't do any research on it. I was just wondering if either of you maybe have tried plum pudding. I certainly yes, haven't. I've had I've had plum pudding. 
How is it? No. So what is it? It's good. I, I mean, so so plum pudding is basically like a syrupy cake. Oh, it's not more like it's cake not, than pudding. It, it yes, it's it's nothing like pudding. Hmm. Well, what we call pudding in America is not what they in in England oh, sure. pudding can can basically mean dessert, right? What are we having for pud, as, as Mary Berry would say? <laughs> right, and that's, you know, like in like in The Wall, it's... If you exactly, don't, can't if have you, any... Uh, yeah. your meat, you can't have any pudding, right? It's literally um, like no dessert until you finish dinner is effectively what they're saying. <laughs> what they're saying, right. So, but plum pudding specifically is like a syrupy plum cake that's like shaped in a mound. Mm-hmm. There's a... There's an... In the winter issue of the Muppet Show comic book, Gonzo fights a plum pudding. Oh wow! You might re- you might recall. I don't um, know if I've seen. That. I don't recall. <laughs> oh okay. Um, that sounds a little also, bit like a chocolate lava cake. I'm sure it's not actually in practice. Yeah, but that I mean makes it's me fruity. Like, you know, like yeah. I think I'll have a chocolate lava pudding. Right. Um, and of, I do have to say, my primary association with plum pudding is Chimes of Midnight, a Doctor Who audio story from 2001 or 2002. Uh-huh. Uh, in which the Doctor and his companion Charlie, the Eighth Doctor, played by Paul McGann, and his companion Charlie are trapped in a, a house in 1906, in which there is a time loop between the hours of 10 o'clock and midnight, in which they are trapped. And so in this story, the cook says, Christmas just wouldn't be Christmas without my plum pudding, many times. Mm. And so Christmas just wouldn't be Christmas without my plum pudding. Um uh, and I should I should also say that Roz and I listen to this story every year. Oh, nice! During during a car trip of some kind, so Christmas truly wouldn't be Christmas without that plum pudding for us, right? right? So that's and that's honestly why I know what it is. That's why I bothered to look it up. Oh, good, yeah. This is you this know? is uh, useful information, right? Uh, but in this movie, they we don't see them eat plum pudding. Instead, Clara suggests that they should play a game, and Scrooge is surprised by this idea. Scrooge yeah. is. I, I like wrote baffled. down, I love the line where Scrooge is like, do people play games at Christmas? Because it literally, like, the characterization here is that Scrooge is so unfun that he's basically like an alien. Like, he doesn't yeah. understand what parties are. It's either right. it's either that or you could deliver it like your your Elmo talking to Dorothy. Like, just like the most, like... Either you're an alien or, like, you're a three-year-old who's, you know, needs to ask a baby about <laughs> whether you can play games at, at Christmas. It, it's Scrooge so, is the baby here. Yeah, exactly. It's so funny. And then I love that the Ghost of Christmas uh, present doesn't actually answer the question. He's like, I love games. Okay. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Sure. Well, I mean, that kind of answers the question. He is the Ghost of Christmas true, present. True, so, true, true, yeah. true. Right. But but then what happens is that one of the guests says, "Yes, we must have a game at Christmas." And Becca, who is that guest? Ah, uh, that's uh, that's Wander McMooch, isn't it? Yeah, yeah, it is. So sure so is. Who the, is that? The re- Wander McMooch. Well, I do want to say the reason why I'm on this episode is I love all of the background, uh, the background Muppets, uh, especially the ones used in this movie and in Muppet Treasure Island. That all kind of came as monsters from Fraggle Rock as opposed to monsters from The Muppet Show. Um, there's a lot. I've written an article about it. I feel like I talk about that article all the time. But you know yes, what? You, I, well, you wrote and illustrated that article. I wrote and illustrated that article. And, and I think it's, it's one of my best. 
So Wander McMooch is a uh, a Fraggle Rock character. He's in two episodes of Fraggle Rock. Um, he looks like a frog. He's the one who looks like a frog in this scene, mm-hmm. and he's pretty famous. They've they've there's a, a number of like quotes about it, but he's pretty famous for being basically Fraggle Rock's only villainous character. Right. And the writers said that they didn't really like that. Fraggle Rock had a villain because that doesn't quite fit with the vibe of Fraggle Rock, which yeah, he has to purely be... malicious intentions in his appearances. Yeah, and is this weird kind of weird kind of character though? Because he really is, other than the main character, I feel like the only one who can, other than the main characters, the only one who really interacts with like both Fraggles and Gorgs. Like, oh yeah, he also kind of crosses that that line. We don't really ever see characters other than the Fraggles interact with the Gorgs for what it's worth. Like it That's just true. doesn't happen. But he's this weird, like, froggy creature. I love him. Um there's some great Michael Frith sketches uh of of him and how he would drive around in a little cart, and you can see Frith uh drawing the um like the place where the puppeteer would hide and ride in the cart. So, so Wander McMooch could pedal his cart around and, and, <laughs> and sell things. They use that briefly in Fraggle Rock, but never as much as you would hope. Because again, he, he just isn't around much. Yeah. But I love, I love the, the Fraggle Rock monsters. They, they give these movies, you know, this and, and Treasure Island such a unique feel. I feel like there's something about it that is very different than the, the, Muppet Show monsters, and boy, I'm going on forever about this. But no, this is really interesting, and it, you're right. They do, they do just lend a different kind of feeling to these period stories somehow. I, like yeah. they don't look like they're period characters, but they look really good when you put them in period costumes. Yeah, and it's it's interesting yeah. because like Michael Frith, obviously, I mean, maybe not obviously to to the people listening. He's a he's a, an artist and a designer, and you know. He's done so many other things, but he really is responsible for the look of a lot of the the core Muppet Show characters. You know, really, with the exception of like Kermit and Gonzo, you know, the the ones who predate the Muppet Show. He really is responsible for those early sketches of of Fozzie and of Doctor Teeth and Janice and the Swedish Chef and. You know, an Uncle Deadly. Oh, a lot. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, I yeah. think there was sort of an evolution of the Muppet style and the what Muppets did and could look like when he came on board. Yeah, but it is interesting because a lot of the the monster designs, you know, prior to to Fraggle Rock, predate the Muppet Show. They're things. They're they're characters Jim Henson sort of created for like the Ed Sullivan Show or, you know, or or Santa Claus Switch or. Sesame Street or any of those things. Yeah. I mean, even most. Well, and I think we want to give a shout out to Don Celine. Oh, right. yes, he, absolutely. Yeah, other, like, like, too. Like, like yeah, yeah, Jim Henson started it. John uh, Don Celine kind of refined the Muppet style, and then maybe Michael Frith redefined it a little bit. Picked, yeah, but it up from there. It's yeah. interesting to see with characters like Wander McMooch, like what a Muppet monster would look like if it had like a different aesthetic than the super simplistic like Henson and Celine designs. And again, 
I got nothing against the Henson and Celine design. No, not I, at I, all. I, they I, look of great. Course, of course not. Cookie, yeah. Cookie Monster and Grover, are, you know, two of my best friends. I've, I've got, I've got <laughs> four framed pictures of Grover uh, behind me. You can't really see them <laughs> from this angle, but like, it's, it's, it's such a different aesthetic. And it's interesting that it's such a different aesthetic when you consider that this guy also, you know, designed Fozzie Bear, like, yeah. you know, uh, a character right, right. that we see all the time. Right. Uh, the other thing, though, is sitting next to, as long as we're on the topic of these monsters. Mm-hmm. Oh, and, and Wander McMooch is performed here by David Redman, by the way. I forget who performed him on um, Fraggle Rock. It's not uh, one of the usual. No, a puppeteer like named Bob Stutt. Yeah. Bob Stutt. Who I believe is Canadian. Don't quote me on that. Yeah, I mean, that's I mean, where he's they're... a he's a he's a puppeteer whose name we don't know that well who worked on Fraggle Rock. He's so yes, probably Canadian. He's Canadian. Yeah. Well, now yeah. I'm now I'm checking the wiki here. Um, he was also Felix the Fearless uh, in my favorite Fraggle Rock episode. Okay. Um, uh, marooned. Just marooned. Yep. Yeah. He's Basil uh, in uh, Sesame Park. Oh, oh, he's okay. Basil in Sesame Park. Then yes, he's yeah, Canadian. yeah, definitely. Yep. Canadian. All right. Sitting next to him is his wife. And who plays Wander McMooch's wife? Uh, it's your film? favorite character, Brule the Minstrel. <laughs> yeah. So I, I I don't know if we've ever talked about this on air. Maybe we have. But we've talked about it's definitely come up on one of our podcasts, but it might have been mine uh, and not sure, yours. <laughs> sure. So I have you mentioned earlier that you did a art did an article about the Fraggle Rock characters who appear in this film for Tough Pigs. And when you published that article, I said that the sketch of Brule that you did was so beautiful, I wanted to frame it or something like that. And so then, Becca, you mailed it to me in a frame. Oh, in the frame. And it sits in the frame. Yes, which is so nice. And it sits right here in my basement where I'm recording. I can see it right now. It says 17 in the corner, which means it's five years old now, which seems wild. Yeah, I I did date it. (laughs) Um, Yeah, but uh, yeah, drawing of Brule. And Brule, we should mention, was one of the minstrels on Fraggle Rock, one of Cantus's uh, sidekicks. But is played here by Louise Gold. The yeah, great Louise it's, Gold. it's one of the one of the examples, and you see this with the background characters um, uh, a decent amount, um, where because they are just sort of like utility players, they'll they'll switch the the gender of the performance. Like this is not supposed to be the same rule. As no, no, in of course. Fraggle Rock, they're not assuming that right. anyone. I mean, I guess they know that there are people like us who look for every character in the background, but they're not assuming that anyone, any normal person will be like, oh, hey, isn't that the guy from Fraggle Rock? And I should note, I'm looking this up on uh, on on Muppet Wiki now because I did not have this. Uh, I did not know this. Uh, but Tim Gosley performed uh, Brule on mm-hmm. uh, Fraggle Rock, who is also a Canadian puppeteer. Um, and uh, he was Basil... Uh, before um oh how about Bob that? Stutt. uh and also um, uh the the brule a, a version of the brule character has since appeared on fraggle rock back to the rock as one of the troubadour characters who yeah no, right the that's Jamdalen. that's amy garcia who's also ah. henshi and marjorie and ma on right, uh, on, right. on the show on back to the rock yeah uh, but they're just among the guests here. They don't, they're not really that important to the nope. scene, except that it's, except that it's nice to see well, them. Well, they're like, very really, important to us. 
Right. Uh, but then a human guest, because there are humans in attendance as well, oh, yeah. suggests that they play the game Yes and No. Yes and No. Terrible name yeah, for which a is, game. Which is, which is I, so I'll say, I was going to talk about this later, but I'll just say now, that's right out of the book. Oh, this game okay. and, and that name okay. are, are, from, are from A Christmas Carol. Great. Then uh, it's on site between me and Dickens. So, uh. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. But uh, then, but what I love about this though is that you are dissing it, but Doctor Strange Pork, who is at the party, not wearing his glasses, but is clearly Doctor Strange Pork. It sounds just like him. It's Jerry Nelson. It is Jerry Nelson doing the exact same voice. Yeah, he calls it a wonderful game, and everyone agrees. They're all into it. I should I should note, uh, and I, I wrote this down. This is the only Muppet movie where Strange Pork has a speaking line. Ah, uh, is that right? I guess so. Yeah he he sings he sings with the other pigs. At the wedding, like yeah, but he, I don't think you can really. He doesn't have a. It's doesn't not have an a line. isolated. Yeah. It's not right. an isolated solo line. He huh. sings. No, you're right. He he sings. We built this city in uh in in the Muppets. 2011, <laughs> but uh, sure, yeah, uh, everything's good. Um, but so, anyways, we should say the game yes and no. Yeah, is it's it's basically just twenty questions. It's twenty questions, limited amount of questions. Yeah. Do you uh, do you have any further notes on twenty questions? Because I do. Oh, I'm so glad you do. <laughs> well, no, because I I was curious, and I figured you would tell us whether it's called yes and no in the book. It is. It is called yes and no in the book. Okay, yeah, that's interesting because yeah, it is basically just twenty questions. They're asking yes or no questions, and Fred is telling them if they're correct or not. Um, but I wondered because I've seen other adaptations where they play different games at this party. Um, actually one, one in particular that I'll mention in a minute. Um, but I, so I looked up, uh, starting with Wikipedia, which has an article for 20 questions that says that it originated in the United States in the 19th century and spread to other countries. So it could have been called 20 questions at this point. Um, that article also links to a Google book scan of a booklet called 20 questions, a short treatise on the game to which are added a code of rules and specimen games for the use of beginners. And that booklet has a copyright date of 1882. Uh, in that booklet, it says the game has probably been around for a while, but quote, in its present, it is a game of new, new England origin. So from that, I'm going to yeah, conclude sure. that it, might have existed in England by 1843. It may or may not have been called 20 questions in England by that time, but either way, it's, it just, this is what I assumed. It just feels like it would, it would feel wrong for these characters in this time period to refer to it as 20 questions. I thought that was why they called it yes or no, but apparently I was completely wrong. No. Yeah. Um, so I have a bunch of stuff about this scene in the book for later, but I, I'd prefer to save it until later. That's okay. But what happens in the movie is Fred volunteers to go first. And once again, displaying how in love they are, Clara is positively beaming. When she says, let Fred go first, he always thinks of good things. He always thinks of good things. <laughs> like, they're so in love, man. Yeah. Like, it's, it's great. Um, but so they start off, like, you do 20 questions. They start out, vegetable, he says no. Mineral, he says no. Animal, he says what else. And... I feel like there is a version, like the silly version of this movie that doesn't exist that we've talked about. Animal would just like pop up here. But yeah, yeah. In fact, I, I actually, movie this is. I briefly considered um, challenging the two of you to a game of yes and no, 
and having you start with animal, vegetable, or mineral, and then eventually I would reveal that I was thinking of animal. Of animal. The, the problem, and we, we talked a little bit about this, the problem is yes and no cannot possibly take as quick as it takes these characters uh, no. to solve. <laughs> and, and I'll tell you, I used to think that that was maybe like, okay, like, yes, it's a contrivance, the movie has to go. But I'm now choosing to believe, you know, ba- and I wrote this in my notes, but also based on what Anthony is saying, that Clara just loves Fred so much that, like, she can tell that when Fred is getting like this, he's probably making fun of his uncle. Like, oh, interesting. This, this is Scrooge. This is Fred's make fun of Scrooge voice. Like, that's the <laughs> sense. I feel like that's the only way you can you can justify besides just it's a movie and you know we, <laughs> well yeah we don't want to move things along exactly yeah. but it's the name of your podcast um but hey. be uh unless you know aside from that the only way you can justify it is by saying to yourself well maybe they you know they they just they they have a vibe that they know so well yeah oh yeah you mean right. fred and clara from being together yes, 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 so yes. long I, that i would buy that too absolutely they've played a lot of yeah. games they've played this game together many times before you would think so yeah, um, but so then the, I mean, the people guess right. Dog asks if it's a dog. I, I could hilarious. not tell who. I, I do like this dog Muppet, <laughs> and I like the voice. I couldn't tell who was performing this dog. Okay, and I do want to say about the dog because I spent a ton of time trying to figure out what this, where this dog was from. Um, so at first, I thought it was Lyle the dog, who was a dog from the Muppet Show. Uh, a reasonable like, assumption. Past the peep pipe, peace pipe, mad dogs, and Englishmen. And you guys know from appearing on the Jim Henson Hour as the TV newscaster who complains about Kermit not showing Dog City soon enough. <laughs> um, yeah. And this puppet looks a lot like Lyle the dog. But I realized that, and this is my, my great shame, I had not seen the entirety of Dog City ever. So Ooh. to figure out who this dog was, because Muppet Wiki was not helping me, I watched the entirety of Dog City last night, loved it. It's great. It's great. Uh, I need more senseless senseless violence in my <laughs> life. Um, and this dog is from Dog City, does not seem to be from The Muppet Show, because he's slightly different than Lyle, but he has the white mustache and white sideburns in hmm. Dog City. They didn't add it for this. Sure, um, sure. He has them. And he's in like two scenes. He falls asleep at the bar in one scene and he uh, he gives Ace some kind of warning about Bugsy them in, in one scene. But yeah, it's not Lyle the dog. It seems to be this other dog. And not addressed by name in Dog City then. Nope. Huh. Wait, he gives, he gives Ace some kind of warning, you said? Yeah. Yeah, but what if he doesn't? <laughs> well, uh, if he doesn't. Oh, he then, will, all right. Yeah, but what if he doesn't? Oh, he will. All right. All right. So I'm gonna have. Yeah. To, okay. I'm gonna have to move this scene along. I'm gonna play a uh, play a uh, <laughs> uh, play the next chord. Um, but yeah. So then the, there's this dog, and there's also a female pig. It's just a Muppet Show pig that they, you know. Yeah. Put a wig on. Although I do want to say we don't see female Muppet Show pigs very often. Um, except for the two main ones. Yeah. Well, I was about to say except for Piggy and Annie Sue, but like yeah. you don't usually yeah. see like anything Muppet pigs that are are. Girls, they kind of wish they used Annie Sue here, but oh, that would have been fun. Yeah, that would have been nice, especially since Louise Gold is in the. I mean, 
Yeah, Nobody's exactly. going to play Danny Sue instead of playing Brule. Yeah, right? she's right anyone there. could have been Brule. Yeah. Right. Anthony, I have to tell you, I, I was sitting here, the wheels in my head were turning the same as yours, trying to think of a way to contrive, yeah, but what if he doesn't? Oh, he will, all right. <laughs> yeah, yeah. I, you I, got I, there I, first. I apologize for not not, uh, not remembering the next line. I've only seen... You just, saw, you just saw it for the first time. But I will say, one of the greatest texts I've ever received in my life was from you last night. Simply, Dog City is a delight. Yeah, it's true. <laughs> When are we, when are we was, doing Dog City two minutes at a time? Oh, Ooh. man. Ryan and I have discussed doing like a Jim Henson Hour miniseries at some point. Yeah, I think we might ah. end up doing that at some point. It'd be so, it'd just be so fun. Yeah. We got another so podcast we, feed for that. It's the, yeah, exactly, yeah. exactly. Um, but anyways, in this one, getting back to this one, uh, one guest asks if the, thing, if the thing in question pulls a handsome cab, and Fred says certainly not. So Ryan, what's what's a handsome cab? A handsome cab. Well, first of all, uh, everyone should be aware that it is a handsome cab. H A N S O M, not a handsome cab. H A N D S O M E. Although I'm sure some of them were probably quite handsome. Uh, this is just a type of horse-drawn carriage. It was named after its inventor, Joseph Handsome. He was an architect and an inventor of, of various other things. Like Mbop. He also invented Mbop. <laughs> <laughs> yes, that everyone's favorite uh, 90s band, Handsome. Um, handsome. According to the website historic-uk.com, uh, he registered the design for the handsome safety cab on December 23rd, 1834. So I don't know if these characters in the scene are aware of it, but this is just two days after the ninth anniversary of the handsome cab, if we assume <laughs> that this is 1843. So it could hold two or three passengers. The driver was seated at the back. There was a trapdoor in the roof so he could talk to the passengers. It was safer and less prone to overturning than previous cab designs. And I'm pretty sure I first encountered... The Handsome Cab, or a reference to it in the book The Magician's Nephew. That's the sixth book in the Chronicles of Narnia series by C.S. Lewis, featuring a character, a supporting character who drives a handsome cab. Some people might try to tell you that The Magician's Nephew is the first book in the series. Don't listen to them. It's all lies. Don't pay attention to the number on the spine. It's the sixth book that was written. It's the sixth book that was published. Therefore, <laughs> it was the sixth book. I'm of the age where they were all published under the new numbering system, and uh, I don't like the new numbering system Did you either. read The Magician's no. Nephew before The Lion, the Witch, and the Wardrobe? Sure did. Oh, no. I'm so sorry. I'm younger than you guys. That's I just, what was published. I may have even <laughs> right, talked about right. this on the podcast before for some reason, but I just, I really, that infuriates me. But yeah, I can go into that. Sense. Yeah, I can go into that elsewhere, but... It's so obviously structured as a prequel. Yes, yes. Like, you're supposed to find out things like, oh, so that's how the lamppost got there. But but do you know what else are things that are obviously structured as prequels? Uh, the Star, the Star Wars, Wars prequels, prequels yes. Yeah. Which, um, do not also, watch episode one first. That's ridiculous. Also, the movie Captain Marvel, which like now there's the like watch the MCU in chronological order. Captain oh, America and then no, Captain Marvel, no, 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 you know, no, no. which is a terrible idea. Well, because also, if you're going to watch the entire MCU in chronological order, what you're really going to do is, like, watch one of the scenes from the Thor oh, movies and I then stop a, the movie and then go back to some of the I other I have a friend and... who tried to do that, and I was like, <laughs> what are you 
doing. Yeah. He's like, he was like, yeah, so tonight I watched, you know, uh, uh, seven minutes of The Eternals. And I'm like, this is not how to engage with <laughs> no. media. Like, <laughs> no. Right, I mean, right. If you really you could, want to. You and could if you've seen write... them before. I guess if you've seen them before, fine. Go ahead. Knock yourself out. Do something Watch them unusual. two minutes at a time, for instance. Yeah, sure. But right, just, right. just, I don't know. Come on. Yeah, if we'd watched all these Muppet movies in chronological order, we would have had to start with this one. Come on. Yeah, yeah, you're right. But but we would have had to start with Scrooge's childhood. That's true. Right, <laughs> we would have been watching it out of order. Yeah. That's right. No, that's not oh, oh, no, 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 no. Time out. We start with Gonzo's dream of Noah's Ark. Right, there you go. Okay. <laughs> See, I was I was th- trying to think if there were any flashbacks to like caveman times, but no, you're right. That that's probably the we earliest. S- we start thing. by watching Bert and Ernie and Sherlock Hemlock and Caveman <laughs> Days. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> and then uh what's okay, so getting back to this scene, yeah. they keep they keep guessing, uh, you know, whatever, it just goes on like that for a while. Eventually, Clara correctly guesses that it's his Uncle Scrooge, and everyone laughs. I do want to say I love the way that Brule says, a cockroach. <laughs> also, that, I, love, that's her I guess. love that when one of them says a rat, and Rizzo is like, you called? And I love <laughs> that Rizzo has no is not upset about being called an unwanted creature. Like, no, Rizzo, no. He gets Rizzo knows. He knows, he knows who no, he is. Exactly. Yeah. yeah. Um, but also, while everyone is laughing... There's a voice that I think is probably Steve Whitmire. It kind of sounds like Rizzo or Wembley. Is this high-pitched voice says, That's a killer! Yeah. <laughs> Which I think is really funny. That's a killer! That might actually be Louise Gold, now that I'm thinking about it. It, but, might, be, uh, it, it might be the... Did Whitmire... Who's the female pig? It might be Whitmire as the female It might be pig. Steve Whitmire as the female pig. Maybe. Yeah, Because sure. I'm not remembering. Uh, Rud... Rudman is um is Rudman is Wonder Wonder, Mooch. yeah yeah Wonder, Wonder yeah. McMooch, yeah. For some reason, yeah. I, I associate that's a killer as a response to a joke with like old cartoons. Maybe like, is there a character in a? It definitely sounds like Daffy Duck. Like, like ah, laughing that's at his own joke. Yeah. yeah, yeah. I can't think of a specific reference. No, I know it's. it's I can it's I can like picture me, Daffy laughing at something he just said and and saying that. Yeah, y- you know what it might you know what it might be from. Nasty Quacks, the okay. Frank Tashlin cartoon where a little girl gets a pet duck and he grows up to be Daffy Duck and her dad uh. hates him. And I think <laughs> there's a scene, which is, a, first of all, one of the greatest cartoons ever made. Highly underrated. Nasty Quacks. Look it up. Nasty Quacks. Well, we'll uh, have to go in and check and maybe I'll insert myself I yeah, think I'll, confirming I'll just, or denying. I think they're all still on HBO, right? They haven't gotten rid of those. There's yet. a lot of them still as of this recording. I mean, it's about half of them. It, it it always was. It was never. Oh yeah, no, it collection. never could have. I mean, yeah. it, that's impossible. It, I mean, it wasn't right. It's impossible. Just for, like how it was never reasons. all of the Sesame Streets. <laughs> right, right. Exactly. Well, Anyways. or if anyone else has any, uh, anyone out there has any suggestions on where we might have heard "That's a Killer" in an old cartoon, please let old us cartoon. know. Hello, listeners. This is Ryan from the future coming to you with an update. First of all, since we recorded this episode, HBO Max has in fact removed uh, something like 256 Looney Tunes shorts, uh, mostly from uh, the late 40s and onward. Um, As of now, it appears that Nasty Quacks is not on HBO Max. I'm actually not sure if it ever was, but... It is not there because the people in charge of HBO Max 
are terrible. In addition, we have determined that the exact phrase, that's a killer, is not uttered by Daffy Duck in the cartoon Nasty Quacks, but a very similar phrase is uttered by Daffy Duck when he is um, hysterically telling anecdotes over breakfast, much to the chagrin of his human owner. Uh, that sounds a little something like this. The little guy, he got 30 days for kicking a cop. <laughs> oh, ain't that a killer? <laughs> and the other thing is I realized where I have heard the phrase, that's a killer, exclaimed uh, with so much enthusiasm. And that is from a recording of The Man on the Flying Trapeze by the comedy uh, band leader Spike Jones, who was uh, very popular in the 1940s. And uh, he did this version of the song Man on the Flying Trapeze with the comedian Doodles Weaver. It's ridiculous. Uh, I heard it first when I was a kid. I thought it was one of the funniest things that I had ever heard. He Doodles Weaver just like keeps getting the words wrong and keeps interjecting jokes into the song. And that sounds a little something like this. You know, a funny thing happened. A man came out to me. Doodles, Doodles, did you leave home? I said, I left home. He said, did you put the cat out? I said, I didn't know he was on fire. <laughs> the killer. So there you have it. Uh, I hope this interruption has been educational for you. Now, back to the podcast. But anyways, while everyone's laughing about this, Scrooge looks genuinely hurt by it. He is so upset. He is so upset. He really is. He you wonder, he's, he's an hour ago, would he have cared as much? I don't Maybe think not. so, right? Well, I think he didn't know how fun parties were, and now he does. Like, yeah. He was having so much fun at the party. I love, the I love also, because then the spirit is like, there's much to see, and Scrooge is like, no more. Like, Scrooge is now right. so afraid. Like, he's afraid that everywhere he goes, Christmas is just about people making fun of, making fun <laughs> of him. Yeah. Right. Well, and he's, I mean, he, but like, he has such a thin skin for being such a jerk to everybody That's else. That's why it's time. such a surprise. Oh, yeah. But anyways, then they do. There is much to see. So they materialize. Although, as you say that, and I think about it, that sounds like a lot of conservative uh, pundits and politicians of today that I can think of. I think even without getting into politics, like that's just a lot of bullies in general. Uh, Yeah, that's probably true. I work in middle school, you know? (laughs) Yeah, the the bullies who dish it out are the ones who can't take it. Can't take it, yeah. Yeah. But anyways, they, so in this movie, though, they materialize on another street and Scrooge asks why they've come to this odd corner of the town, which I really like that phrasing, this odd corner of the town. Yeah. What are we uh, doing here? Which Jerry, Jerry Jewell wrote. It's not Dickens didn't put, they arrived in an odd corner of the town. <laughs> uh, but the ghost says it's Christmas here too, you know, and then tells Scrooge that, guess what? It's Bob Cratchit's house. We know that guy. Yeah, and then yeah. Gonzo climbs a ladder and, once again and starts saying something that Charles Dickens did write for him, which is, perhaps it was the spirit's own generous nature and his sympathy. And that's the end. We don't know I, what his sympathy is. I assume is he's going to say sympathy for the devil, mm-hmm. which was his favorite Rolling Stones song. <laughs> that's his favorite one. <laughs> but the Stones never recorded a Christmas album, so which would like, be really? the obvious... I don't think they have. And I've they, never heard it. They they've been around for 80 years, and they've they never done They must have at least done a song, right? Like, I'm going to look it up now. Okay. Oh, I bet they did a song. Like yeah, it. like maybe for a compilation Let's album see. or something. Let's see. I mean, come on. Uh, if John and Ringo got in on this, uh, as we know, <laughs> then the Stones had to have. 
Let's see. So it looks like Keith Richards covered Run Run Rudolph solo, and that's the closest. <laughs> wow. Yeah. yeah. That's any band Surprising. that's been around that long. I mean, even They Might Be Giants put out an EP about Christmas. They like, put a Christmas EP, and they have a few other random Christmassy yeah, songs yeah. over the years. Yeah. Uh, but yeah, no, apparently, apparently I didn't know the Rolling Stones Christmas songs cause there, there aren't any. So that, yeah. that's probably, that's probably Christmas Presents' least favorite band. I guess so. <laughs> yeah. Christmas, Christmas, <laughs> Christmas he, present like me has a huge They Might Be Giants collection though. <laughs> probably. He probably likes, uh, Sufjan Stevens. Mm, mm, that's He true. does. He loves, he, he has all those Sufjan EPs. Done yeah. a bunch of Christmas songs. Yeah. He, <laughs> I can totally see him loving Come On, Let's Boogie to the Elf Dance. Yes. Oh yeah, Come on. yeah. It has the same kind of energy as uh, it feels like Christmas. It feels like Christmas, yeah, for sure. Uh, but so that that is the end of this. Uh, any thoughts about these two minutes before we close? I got a bunch of old Curiosity Shop stuff. Well, you know, I I had I had something prepared as well. Um, oh, but uh, why don't why don't you why don't you do your old old Curiosity Shop first? Oh well, well Ryan, I, do you have anything? Yeah, before like I do a couple it? of quick. Things. Um, I have exactly one note on casting from other adaptations of A Christmas Carol using previously established characters. And that is uh, from the Muppet Magazine comic strip, A Sort of Christmas Carol, um, that featured Clara. That's the only uh, one of those on my list that, that I found that, that actually cast one of the, the recognizable characters as Clara. So do you want to guess which Muppet played that role in that comic strip? Well, two things. First of all, I haven't seen Mickey's Christmas Carol in years, but they didn't just throw Daisy there. Like Daisy, Daisy actually plays Belle. the Bell character. In oh, okay, it's possible yeah. that some of these do yeah. have them, and I just didn't. No, find no, no, them no. In I just research. I've seen it. It's just been a long time. But um, right, can I'm you say Dog us, Lion? Who was Fred? Who <laughs> Dog was Lion Fred? as Clara. Um, oh boy, Fred in that version. Because okay, I like, hold on. In my mind, that would help me, but. It's probably Annie Sue because Okay, is that your official guess? Yeah. It is Janice. Oh not the most obvious, cool. but a female character, so Yes. Yeah, I mean that's sure. that's cool. the thing is you So wait, so is Floyd is Floyd nephew Fred? Oh that sounds right. Okay. Hold hold on, I will I mean that wouldn't be a bad choice to be completely honest. I, I like No, no, not at all. I mean you got that you got that Floyd Sam dynamic, uh, because Sam was Scrooge in this, so Right, I do like yeah. the Floyd Sam dynamic when that shows up on the show. Like from uh, from like Samsung, mm-hmm, for example. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Okay. That's okay. Great. I'm looking. I'm looking. I'm looking in the comic strip. Floyd was Fred. Yes. Okay. So that, yeah, that makes so that makes sense. Yeah. Yep. All right. So in the what I wanted to so now I'm going to open the old curiosity shop, and in the book the ghost takes Scrooge to Bob Cratchit's house before Fred's party. I guess they switched it here because there's so much more material with the Cratchits. That Fred's party would seem anticlimactic after the song and all that, after mm. uh, uh, Bless Us All, you know, and all that. But in the book, we really do spend a lot longer at Fred's Christmas party than we do in this movie. Okay. Like, a lot longer. And it actually, I think that the changes here kind of make Fred seem like much more of a jerk. Because in this, I mean, all he kind of does is movie? like, in the movie, uh. he's just kind of like, let's play a party game. An unwanted creature. It's my uncle. And that's kind of all he does, you know? Huh. Um, but in the book, there's a, he has a whole speech where he talks about how Scrooge's ill will hurts only him. 
and that he misses out on pleasant moments that he but might wait, enjoy. But wait, are these people the are, they, are people guessing these things, or is he just no, no, telling? No, no, this oh. is before the game. Oh, so before they the even game, start playing, yes or no? Okay. In the game, the the answer is still Ebenezer Scrooge. Right, right. But it comes after a long scene where he's like, "I invited my uncle, and I wish my uncle had come." Okay, so you yeah, know? and that's guessable. Right, and that yeah. also makes it guessable. Exactly. Huh. Um, but in between there, um, oh, and also Dickens tells us specifically that they sing songs that are familiar to Scrooge because Fred's mother fan loved them. Like Dickens oh, reminds us here how important Scrooge's sister was to him. Yeah, and she's not you know? even in this movie. Right, right. Um, hmm. So that's all great. But then they play games. And when I say they play games, I don't mean that they play the game yes and no. I mean they play games, hmm. plural. Uh, Super first, Smash Bros. Melee. Yep. <laughs> Mario apples Kart. to apples. Yeah. So, uh, yeah, they, yep, they play both of those. It's funny. They actually drew the card in uh, in in uh, Apples to Apples. The the green card was stingy, and someone played Ebenezer Scrooge. <laughs> it was it was a riot. Yeah, a killer. Yeah, it was great. a killer. It was a killer. <laughs> uh, no, but first Dickens spends a long time describing a game of blind man's bluff, and this includes extended descriptions of flirtations between Fred's wife's sister and Fred's friend Topper. That's okay. what I'm saying. This scene is so extensive that Fred's friend gets a name, and it's Topper. Topper. So um, this goes on for a Merry while. Christmas, then Topper. They, then they play a game called Forfeits. Then they play a game called How, When, and Where. And <laughs> the finally, sequel to Yes and No. <laughs> the sequel to Yes and No. And then finally they play Yes and No, which basically goes down like it does in the movie. Huh. You know, um, but a couple of things before they play Scrooge, who like as here is getting into the spirit of the evening, asks the spirit to stay for just one more game, which makes it even crueler when it's like an unwanted creature. And what I think is adorable is Clara. Her name's not Clara in the book. I should say Fred's yeah. wife uh, does correctly guess. She says your uncle Scrooge. With like many it, uh, many hyphens, it's oh, like S C R O hyphen O hyphen O hyphen O hyphen O G E. Your uncle, she's so excited. Your yeah. uncle Scrooge, and then, uh, but then in the book, after they guess and everyone laughs, then Fred raises a glass to toast his uncle Scrooge. Quote wherever he is. Hmm. So wait, so but Scrooge, do you read that as being a sarcastic toast? No, he went like as we established. He's actually earlier, wishing him went, well. He's he's frustrated that his right. uncle yeah, didn't yeah, come, okay. but like he wishes he was there, you know. Yeah. And the movie kind of just leaves all that out. It's just like, hey yeah. everyone, let's play a game. Who's a creep? My uncle Scrooge, <laughs> you know. Um, <laughs> yeah, he's terrible. I wish he was here. Yeah, so I do kind of think that it it radically alters. So I think it works fine for the movie because the yeah. movie's not about nephew Fred. It's like it's like one of those things you can do in a book that you can't you don't have time for. Yeah, I, I get it, but well, it was I. So this also doubles as the unofficial segment where I tell you what other adaptations of A Christmas Carol I've watched because I just recently watched the 1984 British TV movie starring George C. Scott as Scrooge. It's really good. It's uh, it's the best, isn't it? I, I haven't watched a lot of just straightforward adaptations of the story <laughs> yet, but this so, one is really good. So, um, uh, so I do. I've been counting down my fifty favorite Christmas movies on my Facebook page. 
Yeah. And spoiler, I mean, by the time this comes out, that countdown will be long since over for sure. anyone who's friends with me on Facebook. Uh, that's my number two. I think it's oh. the greatest. I think it's, I think it's like one of the best. Yeah. Christmas it's just ever like made. all the characters, like, you know, we've seen them in so many versions of this and it's like, okay, here's Fred, here's the nephew. I mean, here's the ghost, here's the other ghost, but they just all feel so vibrant and like they all have so much personality in that version, especially yes. Scrooge, who's like so gleeful to be so mean to everybody at the beginning it's great um yes, but and, when and they played by played by george c scott and american we should know which is wild oh yeah see that didn't even occur to me while i was yeah, watching he's, it he's not british and right. somehow he's he's perfect wow as, as a yeah he's doing an accent and he's good at it huh it works yeah, yeah. yeah well mr magoo isn't british and that works <laughs> that's true <laughs> that's true <laughs> In that one, when they go to the party at Fred's house, they play a game called Similes. So, Similes, I, Similes Simile doesn't appear in the book. Simile, a singular, by the oh, way, Simile. is the name of the game. So, <laughs> Simile is not in the book. It's not in the book. It's, okay, there's wow. no tight as. There's no tight as. Right. A so drum the, right. This is book. what happens. Fred just goes around the room and he he'll say something like quiet as or modest as and whoever is it like whoever he's pointing at has to finish the simile yeah. in a way that <laughs> that fred deems to be correct which is like that some people say things that sound like perfectly good similes but he'll say no that's not how it is that's not how it goes that's not what it is so yeah. like i don't know where like do they have a dictionary of similes that that are universally accepted i don't know it doesn't seem very fair to me so yes and no is a much better game and especially because fred is played by roger rees in that movie mm -hmm. who is like best known pro probably best known for being the sheriff of rottingham in robin hood prince uh, robin hood men in tights <laughs> right, right? Yeah. like yeah or he was he was he was robin colcord on cheers rebecca's like rich fiance oh okay uh i think those are or he was mcpherson on warehouse 13 if you happen to be a okay late O's sci-fi channel watcher. Um, but he plays like smarmy villains all the time is my yeah. point, you know? Yeah. And he's great at it, but it's weird to see him as nephew Fred, but yeah, a little bit of that smarm comes well, out I mean, he is the, very smug the game. in that scene. Yeah. And then just to wrap that up, he, uh, the last one he does is tight as, as you alluded to. And, um, one of the guests gives the wrong answer tight as Ebenezer Scrooge's purse strings. And that's what makes everybody <laughs> laugh in that version. Yeah, and it's so. a it's a drum, as it turns out. Yes, tight right. as a drum is the correct answer. Tight, tight as a, that famous, that famous According symbol, to Fred. Tight, yeah. tight as a drum. All right, Becca, you have something prepared. Yeah, well, I just I just felt like, you know, listen, I'm not a big fan of yes and no. Um, but, you know, <laughs> uh, I like to I like to think of moving right along as like a weekly party. And you play uh -huh. you play games at parties uh, and at Christmas time. And, I love games, and I love games <laughs> too. Um, so I thought we would we would just uh, just do a, do a quick uh, round of Hubba, where I ask you some questions All about right. uh, about Michael Frith. Should we should we drop the theme song to Hubba? You right can. Now? I can send you the file. Yeah. 
Yeah. So here's here's some questions. Uh, so you guys can just raise your hand to buzz in. But here's some questions about Michael Frith because we were talking about Michael Frith earlier. Um, so uh, I'm excited. This this was actually mentioned on an episode of Hubble Law. There was a question about this already. So now I'm testing your listening comprehension as well. Mm-hmm. Uh, what country did Michael Frith grow up in? Anthony. Bermuda. It is Bermuda. Correct. Correct. And the, I let the record show that I also raised my hand just a little later mm, than Anthony. Mm, mm. And the Crystal Caves of Bermuda was what inspired the original design of Fraggle Rock. Yeah, that wasn't a question. That was just... Oh, darn it. <laughs> um, Ryan's, like, Ryan's like, I know things, too. You know? <laughs> I do. It's, well, it's like anytime any of us go on Hubba it's like... I, for one, and I've noticed other people like feel like the 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 urge to give excuses, like "Oh, I knew that one. I just didn't hit the button fast <laughs> enough," or like "Oh, I was just thinking about that one too hard." I mean, let the record show that I'm a three time loser, zero time winner on that show. <laughs> and, and Anthony so that's, is super knowledgeable, so it's clear. And that's the yeah. only, yeah. So that's um, how I always feel because I never win, including I lost to you on one. Right. Question two: uh, What puppeteer? is married to Michael Frith. Anthony. It's Kathy Mullen. It is Kathy Mullen, correct. And Michael, we should as long we we as long as we're doing all these Michael Frith games, we should note that he is a former guest on this podcast. Yes, true. you can go it's back true. and find that episode he, in we our We did a bonus episode during our Yeah, Bob's Take Manhattan season. It's we true. should it was, link to it probably. Yeah. Yeah. It was a great episode. Uh, so question three, we were talking about how Michael Frith designed some of the um, the core Muppet Show characters. And one of those was Dr. Teeth. And of course, on Michael Frith's sketch of Dr. Teeth, he has a different name than Dr. Teeth. What is the name of Dr. Teeth on Michael Frith's sketch? Ryan. Okay, I'm going to try this from memory. It's something similar to... Dr. Leon Elton John, don't shoot the piano player. Uh, you're close, but you don't have it. Anthony, Ooh. can you steal? So I didn't remember anything about Leon. I just remembered Dr. Elton John, don't shoot the piano player. But I, there must be a first name that I'm not remembering. So what would you say? Doctor, to- it, was do- it was Dr. Ray Leon Lee Leota Elton John, don't shoot the <laughs> piano player. So it... Ryan, you were so close, but technically, uh, uh, it's Leon, Doctor Elton. <laughs> Don't shoot the piano player. Doctor, <laughs> Doctor is in quotation marks. Oh, that's his nickname. Yes, ah. yes. So his his name is Leon Elton John. <laughs> Don't shoot because piano right. player is in quotation. I mean, is in parentheses. That, I, so his you know, name that would have been. Awful if that was that. I was gonna say it's a funny <laughs> joke, but it would have not. Yeah, it would have been a bad yeah, so character his, name. His name is his name is Leon Elton John. Don't shoot. <laughs> and then there was um, one other, or yeah, one other question that I have here about um, Lyle Conway, who was the builder of Lyle the dog. Uh, because I was thinking about Lyle the dog, so mm. we're gonna we're gonna go to this. Uh, Lyle Conway is, of course, a a puppet builder, worked with the Muppets back in the Muppet Show days and continued to work with them for a bit. And he also was nominated for an Academy Award for his work designing a character from one uh, from a non-Muppet film. Which film was Lyle Conway nominated for an Academy Award for? Anthony? 
Was it Little Shop of Horrors? It is Little Shop. Yeah, yes. I'm pretty sure. But. He is the one. I knew he designed He designed Audrey, 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 and he was nominated for an Academy Award. He should have won, but he didn't. And He um, actually designed Rick Moranis. Weirdly. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> And uh, I lied uh, because I do have one more Lyle, uh, Lyle Conway question, and then we can end this game. Uh, Lyle Conway also performed in the film you guys have spoken about before, Return to Oz. Um, which character does Lyle Conway perform in Return to Oz? Anthony, on a roll. Is it the gump? It sure is the gump. Ah. Yeah. Well, because it's not it's not Jack Pumpkinhead, because that's Brian Henson. Yeah, right. And I, I I mean I guess it could have been TikTok or whatever, but no, it's oh you know I get, didn't TikTok TikTok have like an acrobat walking on his hands inside? That would make yeah, that I sounds mean, that, right. That yeah. seems like the only okay, way to do yeah. TikTok. Yeah, yeah, it's it's the Gump. Hmm. So uh, so Anthony, hey, you have won your first episode of hey. Oh and then my prize is a drawing of a brew. No, I'll, I'll, I'll get you something. It's Christmas. It's Christmas. All right. I'll get you something. Ah, what a thrill. But, what um, a thrill. I'm counting yes, it. You, Three and one, baby. You've won uh, my party game entirely about Michael Frith and Lyle Conway. <laughs> that was so fun. Uh, thank yeah, you for yeah, that. Well, I mean, even if I... Even if I didn't win, like that was so fun. Yeah. I've been on I've been on your podcast three times and lost and had a blast every time. Yeah, so that's that's all that I wanted to do. But I felt like we needed a game at Christmas time, as 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 Scrooge and the uh, the Ghost of Christmas Present would want. Well, I I have a that that was that was very uh, exciting. <laughs> Thank you for doing that. But um, I also have a an update on the the mistranslated weird bot website version of Hubbawa. Um okay. I found one. It's Hubbawa is Hubbawa. Yeah. So I, I mean, guess uh the bot uh, just yeah, didn't sense. recognize the word. Um but this is the so this is this is episode 18, the season finale of season two. And it says properly all good issues should come to and finish. And likewise season two of Hubbawa has come back to and finish. So, and then it goes on from there. And uh, sure. in the credits, it says "Questions, Brand, Manufacturing, and Modifying" by Becca Petunia. So, modifying is, uh, is editing, and brand is, <laughs> brand is logo because I designed right. the podcast. Oh, logo. sure. So yeah, you should yeah, add yeah. all of those to titles to yes. your <laughs> credits. Yeah. So absolutely. All right. Well, that, I think, brings us down to the end. Uh, listeners, you can always find toughpigs.com on the internet at toughpigs.com. We're on Facebook, Twitter still. It seems like Twitter's sticking we around. Think so. I think I, I think we're, I think we're, I think it would have imploded. I don't know. We'll see. Who knows what tomorrow holds. <laughs> Maybe Hive Instagram. Social, if that's we're, still. We are. Hanging in there. We are hiving it up on Hive Social. Uh, you can email us. We have we have an email address moving right along at toughpigs.com. We have a snail mail address, 123 Fake Street. <laughs> and you can follow Ryan on, on Twitter at me, Ryan Rowe. You can follow Ryan on Letterboxd at Movies Are Neat. You can follow me on Letterboxd at Zeppo Marxist. And indeed, you can follow me on Hive Social at Zeppo Marxist if you want to. We'll see if I'm actually posting anything over there. I, I'm, I sure meant to. Currently, I'm there too. Currently, as of no today, one's posting. <laughs> well, right. As of today, they're they're updating the, the app and they're, they're promising that Hive Social will be better and easier to use soon. So fingers we'll crossed. Back. We'll see. 
We'll see. Uh, and and what is who are you on there again, Ryan? I am also at me, Ryan Rowe on Hive. Me, Ryan Rowe, and Becca, where can the listeners find you? Well, my favorite, my favorite place that I am that is the only place that is not uh, currently exploding in on itself, imploding in on itself, is Tough Pigs, uh, toughpigs.com. Um, that's my favorite place that I am. You can find articles I've written and things that I've drawn, and also the aforementioned Hubba the podcast that I host sporadically. There's seasons one and two. Um, I don't know when season three is happening, but I know that it's going to happen. So, uh, and I'm sure you both will be on it as well. Um, I I sure hope so. I am still on Twitter, uh, again, for the time being. Um, I'm at Uncle Petunio there. Uh, so uncle as in like, you know, the kind of like unwanted creature that doesn't pull a handsome, uh, a handsome cart, but a handsome cab, but you know, isn't a leech or a cockroach. Um, <laughs> uncle and then Petunio is like the flower, except with an O instead of an A. And, um, yeah, I'm on other places as well. Hive, uh, at tall girl Petunia, uh, which is easier to spell than uncle Petunio. And, uh, yeah, I don't know. Tumblr. I don't know. Does that exist anymore? I'm there. If it does good reads, you know, wow, the internet is a huge place. I don't know if anyone has ever <laughs> shared their Goodreads before. So. No, I have Goodreads too. I should. I should. Yeah, yeah. yeah. But uh, yeah, no, it's, it's, yeah, you can find me in those places. You you and I recently collaborated on a review of Brats of the Lost Nebula for mm-hmm, Tough Pigs. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Those listeners should go read that. It was a few months ago, I guess now, but when this comes out. But uh, that show is bad. Yeah, read well, their review and then decide based on that whether you want to seek out the show and watch or, it yourself. You know, read that review and decide whether you want uh you want us to, you know, to do do a podcast where we review Brats of the Lost Nebula two minutes at a time. <laughs> two minutes at a time. <laughs> Not even one episode. No, It'll be no. two minutes at a time. That's so much Brats of the Lost too many brats, too too lost of nebula. All right. Well, uh, we should we should thank Morgan Davy for designing our logo. We should thank the listeners for listening and for giving us positive reviews on iTunes. We should thank our patrons on Patreon. You could become one if you want. I don't think I said that earlier. Uh, but you can certainly join us next week, where we will <laughs> we will. I have another particular, we'll have the same particular visitor. visitor. That's true. Uh, Becca will be back, Uh, but we'll be right back here with another episode of moving right along. Goodbye. That's a killer.